Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 79. Today, we're talking to Leslie Davis from Dharma Mamas. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you are thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clarkfields, Mindfulness Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives and to take family and life to a new level of awakening. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls ages 7 and 10. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad you are listening today. It really, honestly, it means a lot to me that you choose this podcast and you take the time to put me in your ears. It's like we're buds. It's so cool. I really, really appreciate that we can connect in this way. It's very, very cool. In this episode, we're going to, it's an interview episode. I'm going to be talking to Leslie Davis, and she is a writer and has a blog called Dharma Mamas. Dharma Mamas is a blog and online community for mindful mothers. And I love how they say they celebrate all the moments of motherhood and womanhood. So I'll introduce her a little bit more in the conversation. But it's a really powerful conversation, and we go deep, you know, talking about those deeper things of motherhood. And I I think you're going to really, really enjoy this conversation. And then I want to (laughs) thank, I want to thank you guys for the iTunes reviews. I've been loving the reviews. It makes such a big difference. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you'd like to leave a review, it's really easy now. You just can click on the iTunes app. Uh, or the the podcast app that you're probably listening to this from right now on your phone. And even if you're subscribed, you just search for the Mindful Mama podcast and you click on it and then you can leave a rating and review. So, and it makes such a big difference. So please do that if you haven't done that yet. Thank you so very much. On to this episode. So welcome to the podcast today. I'm really excited to talk to Leslie Davis. And I encountered Leslie's writing because I got an email in my inbox and it had this had the start of a blog post with this 
where in this blog post, this child is talking to his mom. There's a story about is Leslie writing about her teen son being bored, very bored at, um, and he's at this retreat. Uh, and it would, it caught my attention because, um, because of the writing and how she writes about how you write about his discomfort and things like that and your own and, um, and the tradition of practicing mindfulness with that. So I was really excited. And so today I'm talking to Leslie Davis, who is the writer of this blog post, and she is the founder of a blog called Dharma Mamas, and it's a blog and online community for mindful mothers. And they share stories of women who nurture themselves, their children, relationships, families, and communities with a foundation of mindful awareness. And they do that through interviews, articles, personal essays, creative writing, and poetry. And they celebrate all the moments of motherhood and women womanhood. So welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. So tell me about, it's interesting because as we're recording this here in the beginning of the summer, um, I'm about to, like in just a few days' time, go with my family, uh, with my my girls who are younger, they're, you know, 10 and 7 right now, off to a family retreat in the mindfulness tradition that that you describe in this blog post. So, um, so can you first, before we dive into your story, can you tell me a little bit about what you wrote about in this this blog post about your your teen son's frustration? Absolutely. So our family at that time was on a retreat at Deer Park Monastery in Southern California. And Deer Park Monastery is a mindfulness retreat center in the tradition of Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a Zen master and global peace activist and meditation teacher. He has several monasteries um, in the U.S. and Europe as well. So we were on a retreat and we had just gotten there. It was the first day of a five-day retreat and my teen son was very uncomfortable. Um, Mind you, he's been attending retreats at this center for his whole life since he was about two years old. But now that he's a teen, there's a bit more resistance to being there because he wants to be, of course, off doing his own thing. Um, So we were struggling with his strong emotions as he was complaining a lot and just feeling really restless. So I think my husband and my daughter were off um, socializing or hiking or you know, just kind of getting into the groove of the group. And my son and I decided to take a walk together. So the blog post is a story of how um, while we were on this walk, I realized so many things about myself, about my son, and about my mindfulness practice. So in a nutshell, we were both really struggling. I also realized that I didn't want to be there because I had just come out of a very difficult situation at work and was feeling really vulnerable and hurt and stressed. And of course, you would think that I would be thrilled to be at a meditation retreat, but I was feeling a lot of resistance. So I realized while I spent time with my son and I slowed down to really see what was happening and what we were working with. Um, In that moment, we were both feeling very strong feelings and feeling really uncomfortable in our skin. And so um, the blog post tells that story of how we kind of found a common ground. And I love this post because it, it kind of gets to what I see in some ways as the heart of our problems in, in a lot of different realms and specifically in parenting realm, um, which is where I have a lot of interest, which is that, um, that you know, it was about just being with our difficult feelings. And I feel like this is the hardest thing for all humans to do. <laughs> And it's the root of almost every struggle we have is this uh, inability and to be with our difficult feelings. Um, And and you went right there to that's what was going on. And that's what I really appreciated about reading this. I was like, oh, somebody else who's writing about this. Yes, because 
being there for these beings when we don't want to be there for them, I think is one of the biggest challenges of parenting. You know, we all come up against it a hundred times a day where our child needs something from us and we don't have the energy or the interest in that moment. And we have to do it. We have to be there for them because we're their mom and we want to be there for them and we're trying to do our best. But honestly, as we all know, as moms, there's so many moments where we would rather be doing what we were doing before they needed us. Um, And so in my mindfulness practice and my meditation practice, um, I have really focused on that as well. And I think having some kind of spiritual practice, whether it's um, being in nature or a yoga practice or having a sitting meditation practice or a contemplative Christian practice or what have you, but having a spiritual practice that roots you to foundationally foundationally, what is most important. And really what's most important is taking care of the needs of our child. And so figuring out a way to be in the present moment so that you can attend to those needs typically resolves the the need pretty quickly and um you know again that word resistance comes to comes to mind i feel that when i resist my children um their need takes much longer to be fulfilled and when I meet them in the present moment and accept what is, even if it's not what I want, um, we can move forward more quickly. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, you're basically saying that kind of that what resist what we resist persists, right? You know, and absolutely. Yep. <laughs> and and simply, and this is like a big part of what we talk about in the in the mindful parenting course and things like that is this this basic level of acknowledgement and acceptance of what is happening right here. Like, let's pause. Let's look at, see what's happening right here. Let's acknowledge and accept that right now. I love that you say it so beautiful. Like we didn't being there for those beings when we don't want to be there for them. Right. I mean, that's so hard for so many people to admit, but it's very, very much the truth. Right. But just accepting right now, I'm not really wanting to be here for my child yet. This is what he's feeling. This is what I'm feeling. And here we are just that acknowledgement and that acceptance does. I imagine even in that moment for you, does so much to sort of just relieve the the pressure and tension of the situation. Absolutely. It's like surrender and you surrender to the present moment and you also let go of guilt. I think that's something that I've worked a lot on in my parenting. Um, And, you know, I don't think there's a single mother on the planet that doesn't suffer from guilt, right? So whenever the opportunity arises to cut yourself some slack and accept yourself for what you are in that moment, instead of feeling guilty about it, just, you know, practice accepting your own limitations, accepting the mood that you're in at that moment, accepting that you're tired, accepting that you're cranky, or even resentful. Um, You know, our children are such teachers to us, and they trigger our deepest emotions and our deepest wounds. And I think that when we look at them as teachers and we can, even if it's, you know, for one minute (laughs) or five minutes, um, you know, I'm not talking about 24 seven because I think that's, you know, not realistic, but when you have these moments of really seeing them, it helps you to see yourself. And At the same time, when you have moments of seeing yourself and where you really are and who you really are in that moment, it helps you to see your child more clearly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just getting out of the story. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We are such storytelling, meaning-making creatures, for sure. Um, It's just, it's it's how... So much of it is, that our children want to be seen and they want to be heard 
And so when we as parents can slow down enough and really listen to them and we can do less and say less and just be present for them, um, things typically go more smoothly. And I mean, I've had many, many (laughs) gazillions of experiences where I've slowed down to be there for my child and they're still, you know, they're not calming down. They're still (laughs) wound up. They're still crying. They're still raging. They're still complaining, whatever it might be. But I feel that when you settle yourself, they'll kind of burn out faster, <laughs> they'll get through their tantrum faster than if you're engaging in it. Um, yeah, you're not feeding the um, fire, right? Like, exactly. you, <laughs> yeah, Just calm and staying in touch with your own breathing and your own center um, gives them that kind of a backdrop to you know, push up against, but they're not going to push you down. So if you start engaging and, um, which I've done plenty of times, (laughs) I was going to say easier said than done. (laughs) It's all easier said than done, but I do feel that staying in touch with my breath throughout the day and, you know, really reminding myself to breathe into my belly and, you know, and I'm not talking about only when you're in a formal sitting meditation practice, but as you're doing the dishes, as you're in the grocery store, as you're driving the kids here and there, you know, after school, doing homework, keeping yourself connected to your breath. And even, you know, sometimes I'll put my hand on my belly and make sure that I'm breathing down low because that helps me stay a lot calmer. And I I talk a lot about that with my kids. And I also, you know, have taught them over their childhoods. They're both teens now, but when they were little, we would do that a lot. You know, put your hand on your belly and feel your tummy going up and down. And that way you can feel the air coming in and out. And after three or four deep breaths, they do calm down and they come back to their own center. That's so beautiful. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. As parents, we know that there are so many things in life that we have to compromise on. But when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that doctor that doesn't really listen to you. Instead, check out ZocDoc. This is a place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally, there's no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you actually know about. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. Go to ZocDoc.com mindful and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash mindful.
ZocDoc.com slash mindful. So you have, obviously you have teen kids and you have been taking them to uh, retreats and things like that. And mindfulness has been a big part of your life for a long time. Um, tell us about, take us, take us back to the, you know, more or less the beginning. Like when did you discover mindfulness practice? And mm-hmm. Well, I discovered the mindfulness practice through a book of Thich Nhat Hanh's called Peace is Every Step um, before I was married and before I had kids. And I loved his book. And um, it was the kind of thing where I just took it for face value. It was a book and I I didn't put to pra- put into practice any of the things I read in the book, but I the book was amazing and changed my thinking around quite a few things. But then when I got married, um, after a few years, my husband started a sitting meditation practice and he was going to the San Francisco Zen Center. And then he, after that, he found out about Thich Nhat Hanh and went to a day of mindfulness and he started meditating. Then we had our son in the year 2000 and right around that time, um, my husband started getting very involved in a sitting practice. And so it was starting to rub off on me, but I still wasn't uh, sitting meditation myself. And then after I had my son, um, I realized that I was kind of incorporating some mindfulness techniques with him as an infant. And then... Wait, wait, wait. So what does that mean? What were well, you doing with him? Let me get back to that. So, okay. <laughs> so, but I wasn't really conscious of it, but I was just trying to stay with him and stay present mm, okay, and yeah. stay calm. And, but then I had a pivotal experience, um, attending a day of mindfulness in the Bay area where, um, I don't know, quite a few things just gelled for me. And I realized that I needed to start sitting myself and become a meditator so that I could give my son the fruits of that practice so that I could be more calm and be more centered as a mother. And what I realized was that I was a long-term breastfeeding mom. So I had been nursing him. He was about two and a half and that was, he weaned at around two and a half. And I realized that all that time that I had been nursing him, I felt like that was my spiritual practice. That, you know, 10 times a day, 12 times a day, as I put him to the breast, I would sit down and be present with him and have this very, you know, nurturing experience of um, feeding him. And I typically, this was before the cell phone era <laughs> before smartphones. So I got lucky. You couldn't scroll while breastfeeding I like the rest of us. With, yeah. I didn't have to deal with having Instagram in my hand while I was nursing him. Um, I was really fortunate that I, I made a practice of sitting intentionally and I would often read a book or a magazine, but I would really try and be quiet when I would sit and nurse him. Mind you, it was my first child. And so I had the luxury of having the one baby. Um, but I realized that I had never dedicated myself to something like that and that feeding him became like a spiritual practice showing up whenever he needed to be fed. I was nursing on demand. He wasn't on a schedule. So meeting his needs whenever he had the need and no matter what mood I was in, <laughs> no matter what I was in the middle of doing when he needed to be fed, I would have to nurse him. And so I realized that I was showing up for myself. I was showing up for him. I was showing up in a way that I had never experienced that kind of a rigorous discipline. And the connections between parenting and spirituality really became clear to me at that time. And I also would imagine other women at night when I was laying in bed nursing him, I would imagine other moms doing the same thing. 
in my, in my city, in my state, all over the globe, I would think about how there's thousands of other women right now nursing their babes in the middle of the night when they would rather be sleeping. And it was so comforting to me. And so that became my imaginary mama community. And it really carried me through those hard times when I did not feel like doing the work that needed to be done, where I just wanted him to roll off and go to sleep, or I wanted him to stop crying and stop nursing and go back to bed. And um, I actually wrote an article about that. That was kind of my entry into writing about parenting and spirituality. And that was published in Mothering Magazine back in, I think, 2003. Um, And then since then, I started practicing. I started meditating. I started going on retreats. And my husband and I really came together on that because we had been searching for a common commonality in our spiritual life and we didn't have it yet. At that point, we had been together already um, 10 years. And so um, we were really excited to find this community and the the International Plum Village community, which is Thich Nhat Hanh's mindfulness center in France. It's a global community. And so you can pretty much go anywhere and hook into a, a group of people who practice in his tradition. So yeah. we've been going to retreat since um, our son was two. And so that's been about 15 years. So both of our kids have, have grown up surrounded by this practice. Hmm. And Did- that, that doesn't mean that they meditate, but yeah. they've, <laughs> they've been infused, shall we say, with the, the practice and the principles of the mindfulness. <laughs> Good word. Good word. Infused. Did you grow up with any kind of um, religious or spiritual tradition? I was Catholic. So I grew up um, with Catholicism and even went to Catholic high school. And then um, after high school, didn't have any kind of spiritual practice um, outside of just my own personal um, connection to a higher power, but no, you know, formal church or anything like that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You, you might enjoy, I, I, I don't know if you've read um, or listened to any of his work, but the, the Catholic teacher, Richard Rohr is amazing. Um, the, anyway, I'll connect I you. Have, <laughs> yeah. But I have not listened to his there's some, work. There's some great interviews. I'll put a plug in here for another oh, podcast. Um, okay. There's That's a fun. really excellent interview. There's a couple of really excellent interviews with Richard Rohr on the um, Robcast, which is the Rob Bell podcast. And he's also a Christian teacher. And um, they're both pretty amazingly radical. And um, I, I really love the teaching. And, and it's interesting because like for me, actually, I grew up, actually, I have some similarities to you. Like I, um, I discovered mindfulness practice like through books. And I, I read one of uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's books. I think I had, um, I, I had, my friend had pieces every step, but I had being peace. And, um, and I, oh, re- yeah. <laughs> I read That's about it. One. I read the, his books for like 10 years before I actually did anything. <laughs> Uh-huh. So it took a while to kind yeah, of. I think that's really common, and I think that I just want to comment on that because yeah. um, that's one of the things that I realized through this practice is that I know a lot about a lot of different things, <laughs> but if I'm not putting it into practice, then I mean, what's the point, right? Like, I know so much about healthy eating and vitamins and supplements and organic foods and juicing and detoxing because I read about it all the time. But if I'm not putting those foods into my mouth and prepping those foods in my kitchen and, you know, putting it into practice, then, you know, there's no value. There's no payoff. You don't get the, you don't get to reap the benefits of that beautiful teaching. And so I feel like it's the same thing with parenting. It's the same with a meditation practice with healthy eating. You know, we all know so much, but do we actually put it into practice? 
Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm so glad you said that, Leslie, because I mean, it's true. It's like you can't, um, you know, reading about tennis only gets you so far. You know? <laughs> well, and it's a very apt metaphor for a writer because I'm, I'm a writer, but I feel like I can't call myself a writer if I'm not writing. And I spent many years um, not writing and not identifying as a writer because I was a mom and I was putting all of my energy into parenting and working and there was no space or energy for my personal writing. And so I stopped calling myself a writer and I'm coming back into that and it feels really good, but I'm also realizing that same theme. It's like, I can't call myself a writer unless I'm writing. I can't call myself a gardener unless I'm out there working in my garden and growing the food. You know, it's like, I just find it so interesting. And I come back to that a lot in my life. And um, I think because I'm, I love to read and I've had periods of my life where I've been very academic and um, that it's just easier for me to learn about stuff through reading and then to actually get out into the world and do it and put it into practice um, can sometimes be a challenge for me. I hear you. That's, that's how I feel about cooking. <laughs> that's, yes. how I, that's how I feel Thanks. about cooking. Um, it's we interesting <laughs> what you're saying about like the idea that I can't call myself a writer, um, you know, and, and this idea of identity that you're bringing up, right. That, and I guess it's there, our sort of ego, right. Our sense of self, our sense of like a cohesive self. And a, that has a sort of sense of narrative about ourself that wants to have this, this identity, this word. And I wonder if the idea of the wanting, if we can sort of take that idea of um, this sort of ego part of ourselves, wanting to have that identity, right? To be a writer, to be an artist, to be um, ex whatever, a gardener. Can We can use that as motivation to propel our practice in whatever those things are forward. Absolutely. What comes to mind immediately for me, it's kind of like a visceral reaction is to drop it all. I mean, I, I'm not that evolved. <laughs> I'm certainly not dropping it all. I'm still striving to be certain things in my life. Um, especially in this stage of being, um, middle-aged. Um, but I think somewhere deep in my gut, I mean, that's what came to me is, you know, just let go and drop those goals because really um i think hmm, how can i put this into words um i think fulfillment comes from such a deeper place and we don't need to identify in any way to be the person that we already are and i think that's definitely something that i've learned from meditating is that when you sit down to spend your 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes on the cushion, quieting your mind, it doesn't really matter who you are or what you do. You're coming back to yourself and to your home, which Thich Nhat Hanh talks a lot about is, you know, I am home. And when you connect your breath and you connect with who you are, when everything else drops away, that's when you're truly home. And yeah, so I guess, you know, that's the goal. But, you know, the struggle is, you know, how do we do that, right? Um, so for me, it's taking care of my feelings and taking care of my, um, my needs and making sure I don't forget about myself. Um, amidst all of the, you know, things that we all have to do as a mom, um, and being kind to myself. So I'm getting kind of off on a tangent, but I think, uh, yeah, I think trying to let go of the grip that we have on identifying so strongly, um, 
yeah, it's definitely something I'm working with. So <laughs> don't have it all figured out. That's for sure. It's funny because you talk about this in terms of writing because um, so I've I've created the mindful parenting course and I have a I'm, I'm writing currently I'm writing a book on this. And so I'm excited. Oh, it's it's like to go along with the course and and I'm excited. I've finished draft of chapter one. I'm working on draft of chapter chapter two. That's great. And I just recently had this like moment of like, okay, so if I'm, you know, being really ambitious and goal oriented and I wrote on my calendar, I could like fit like to do chapter two this week and then do draft of chapter three the next week and fit it all in and have chapter eight done <laughs> draft by August 25th. <laughs> and, I love and I, it. And I realized I was just stressing myself out, you know? Like, oh, I bet. Like, I was just completely stressing myself out because I was like, oh my gosh, you know, okay, well, I shouldn't go for my run today because I should just get my 90 minutes of writing in. And, you know, like, but we have these logistics to take care of because we're going away. And, you know, it's so funny. And I, so I just had this conversation with my husband about this, like, Maybe I could, you know, since I'm kind of my own boss, I could just chill out with myself a little bit, right? Oh, I so hear you. We you have know? so much in common. I can't even believe it. So <laughs> but, I have that same challenge every single day. Yes. Yes. Off and it's just like, like... Like, I need to walk the dog. I want to do sitting meditation. I want to stretch. I want to go for a hike. I want to sit down first thing and do my writing. Um, my kids need me. They're both home because it's summer. And it's like, how can I structure my time so that I can get my needs met and meet my kids needs? And um, yeah, and then try and meet those goals that you set for yourself, which, you know, I think it's important to set goals because, you know, you need to it's helpful, right? But it's the middle yeah. path, right? It's the middle path. Like, cause exactly. then there's a moment of like letting go of that. Like when I'm feeling the stress, it's like, this is silly. I just need to let go a little. It's not like I'm. Well, and I noticed that you said <laughs> should. I should do this. And I think that if we could all get rid of that word, I mean, uh, if we could just erase that word from our vocabulary, it would be really helpful. <laughs> it would be, it would be completely helpful. So you mentioned, um, you mentioned like coming home and taking care of my feelings and my needs as when we come back to this idea of like fulfillment coming from a deeper place and not necessarily from this sort of identity. And, and I'm wondering about, um, when your kids were younger, cause a lot of the moms I work with and who listen to this have trouble, have trouble, have a, just having permission, feeling their own permission from themselves to meet their own needs when they have a young child. Oh, yeah. And, yep, and I'm wondering, <laughs> what was that journey like for you? Because for me, it was really interesting. Like, I, I didn't have that struggle. I knew. I knew from my path that I had to meet my own needs. So, you know, my, my baby had to, like, you know, had to work with me. Like, we had to meet your right. needs. Yes. Uh, your needs are obviously more immediate. <laughs> but we also had to fit my needs in there, too. Otherwise, I was going to be a crazy person. And I knew that wasn't going to help my child. But so many moms, I know from working with so many moms that this is not the norm. And in fact, most people have trouble even giving themselves permission to meet their needs. So what was that like for you when your kids were young? Great question. <clears throat> Great question. And um, I will share some of my experiences. Um, it was definitely an ongoing challenge. That's for sure. When my kids were young, I homeschooled both of them. And I am a freelance marketer. So I was working for clients at home and had the kids at home. So it was very challenging for me to meet my needs because I was with my kids all the time. And so, um, you know, some of the things I would do, I would try getting a babysitter, um, getting my mom to help take the kids so that I could have time for myself, but then I would end up working, um, or I would end up running errands or I would end up being completely stressed out because I had a list of about 20 or 30 things that I wanted to do during that two hour block that I had. And I'm sure everyone can relate to that. You know, it's like, I wanted to take a shower, take a nap, go to the grocery store. I wanted to go for a run. I wanted to, you know, meet a friend. I wanted to write in my journal. I wanted to clean out my closet. I wanted to, you know, it was like, 
there are so many things you wanted to cook, you wanted to read a book, you know, take a bath, whatever it was, I would have a gazillion things that I wanted to I th- do. I think you're getting like a whole bunch of amens right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I would get so overwhelmed, I would usually spend the time just crying. I mean, literally, I couldn't function because I didn't know what to do with my time when I had time because I was so wrapped up in spending all of my, um, you know, time and energy completely focused on taking care of my kids. So what I learned over the years was that I needed to um, make a list ahead of time and do that laundry list and kind of daydream everything I wanted to do and then pick one ahead of time so that when I had the sitter or the helper or the break, you know, or my husband was with the kids and I had that time, I would go to my list and I would look at the one that I had circled And even if it wasn't the thing I felt like doing at that time, I would be like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Because trying to make a decision in that moment was so overwhelming to me. Decision fatigue. uh, (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And then the other thing that, um, actually, I'm having a few different ideas, but the one thing I really want to share was that Um, what I started doing is after going to several of these mindfulness retreats, um, I remember a a distinct conversation that I had with one of the teachers there and he shared with me how, um, actually being with your family or being with your children is me time. And I was like, what are you talking about? So in this mindfulness tradition, there's a concept that Thich Nhat Hanh um, teaches called interbeing. And interbeing is the idea that everything is connected. And so when I was talking to this teacher, it was one of the monks, and he was saying that I don't actually need more alone time to get me time. What I need is to be more in the present moment and to realize that being with my kids or having time with my family is me time. And I did not understand at the time what he was talking about. I thought he was completely off the mark. I was like, what do you know about parenting? You don't have kids. You know, you've never done this. And I was just thinking, what? But what I've realized over the years is that it's such an amazingly beautiful thing. Because when I feel like I need time to myself and I can't get it, what I can do if I'm with my kids is be more present. And if I'm more present with them, I'm actually getting fueled up and I'm getting an energy shift and I'm feeling nurtured. But if I'm with them and I'm in my head and I'm thinking about other things or I'm feeling annoyed or stressed and wishing I was alone to have my me time, then the experience is a, a a drain on my energy and I get really sapped. And um, I'm not a high energy person and I need a lot of downtime. And so that was a very important thing for me to learn because I've learned how to get time for myself, even when I'm with people, because I'm definitely an introvert and I've always had this desire to have my alone time and I have to be alone. And, um, especially as a mom, you know, that's been very strong for me. So I just want to share that as a way of possibly getting some kind of a little bit of a, a recharge or, or getting fueled up a little bit, even when you are with your children. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. This is an interesting idea. I totally hear what you're saying, but I think it might be both. You know, I think it might be both and, you know, like that either there's letting go of that resistance in the present moment, practicing to be more present, practicing to let go of all of our our baggage about wanting some things to be other than they are, that could, I, I hear you, I meant that recharges your energy in so many ways. And, you know, there's that need to be alone as well, like actually absolutely. alone. <laughs> yes, absolutely, because I think that is crucial. And I think, you know, if there's any way that when you have little ones to get friends to help or neighbors, or, you know, if you have a mommy group to do trades and watch each other's kids um, or on the weekends or in the evenings, when, if you have a partner, um, I know it's harder for single moms, but if you have a partner that can help with your kids, I mean, that is crucial because you need to do it for your sanity and you really need to put yourself first and give yourself a break. I mean, we're so hard on ourselves as moms So I think that being kind and creating space for yourself, um, and even if you don't do anything during that time, if you just, you know, end up looking at social media the whole time, at least you're not doing anything for anyone else. You're just refueling. I think that's very important. I think that some of the problem comes is, is the sense of worthiness, like mm-hmm. that we, that many, many moms don't feel like they deserve to have that time. Like they don't, they may not get the support or may not do the the work it entails to kind of be creative about making that time for themselves because they don't feel worthy of that time. Mm-hmm. I don't, yes, you know, it's. Absolutely. Um, I've definitely struggled with that for the last 17 years myself. And I have a very supportive husband, very supportive. And he's very busy. Um, He has a big job and does a lot of volunteer work. But when I tell him what I need or ask him for time, he's always very supportive and does what he can within, you know, the bounds of his schedule to create that opportunity for me. And sometimes, um, I've had to say to him, you know, I can't remember to ask for help. So I need you to volunteer it. Or, you know, this is what I need you to say to me, uh, you know, once a week is, Hey, Les, do you need to go for a hike? Do you need to go out alone for a while? I'll take the kids. You know, it's like, I'll, I remember giving him those instructions because sometimes we just need to ask for it. Um, and so he, he did that. He took it to heart. And there were times when he would just out of the blue say to me, Hey, do you want to go have some time for yourself? I'll take the kids to the park this afternoon. And it was so wonderful because on that particular day, let's say I probably wouldn't have asked, 
I was too wrapped up in having to take care of everything and having to be on and having to be available and not feeling worth it or not feeling, um, or, you know, stuck in that guilt or maybe feeling resentful. Um, and so if you have someone in your life that you can ask for support and maybe tell them to surprise you with it, <laughs> I found that to be very helpful. And accept it. Accept and it, accept dear it. listener. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't ever turn it down. Don't ever turn it down. Don't ever turn it down. So what do you feel like, um, so you have raised your sons in the mindfulness tradition of Thich Nhat Hanh, and, and it's interesting, and, and it's it's a tradition that is welcoming of, of all um, races and religions, et cetera, like you can can, if you happen to still be practicing Catholic, you could still go to these mindfulness retreats. Um, and this is, this is actually what I am doing as well. But my, my daughters are younger and we, we have, we have less, uh, few, fewer retreats under our belt for sure. What would you say are some of the, some of the things that some of the, I guess for lack of a better word, benefits or some of the things that your, your sons um, might be taking away or you guys have been taking away as a family from, from having this mindfulness practice um, throughout your lives or, mm. or the last 17 years anyway? That's a beautiful question. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, um, I, my 17-year-old is, is a boy. And my 13-year-old is a girl. So I have one son and one daughter, just FYI. Um, and oh, yeah. <laughs> we have, I would say as a family, some of the most wonderful takeaways have been, one, appreciating spending time together. And spending time together in a way that is meaningful and not about um, let's say a big vacation or a trip to Disneyland. Um, those things are fun and we do those things as well, but having the ability to be together, not really doing anything, but enjoying being together. Um, that's one of the gifts that we've gotten. And, um, I think that comes from going many, many times on these retreats and being there together as a family unit um, and learning about this experience of being more in the present moment and being more in gratitude. So we've learned that. Um, the other thing we've learned is um, about eating our meals mindfully. So that's been a big challenge in our household, as I'm sure no one can relate to that. Um, the chaos that happens around uh, meals, especially dinner time. Um, so on these retreats, we we practice uh, eating meditation, which is basically a silent meal where you are chewing every bite of your food um, for as long as you can and putting your fork or your spoon down in between bites and really looking into your bowl or your plate of food and thinking about where everything comes from that's on that plate and thinking about the farmers and the grocers and the cooks and all that went into getting this food onto your plate. And it's really fun with kids to talk about these things and to talk about where is the food coming from. And even, you know, this is one of Thich Nhat Hanh's teachings is to look at your broccoli, let's say, and see the sun and the rain in your piece of broccoli, because all of the weather and all of the elements of, of the cosmos are in the food that you're eating. And so we've learned a lot about how to slow down at mealtime and try and be more present together as a family. And it's definitely not something that we do with every meal. But I think um, overall, it's kind of, again, infused our patterns at home and how we 
operate. Um, and then usually once a week, we would try and do a quiet meal together with the kids. And sometimes it would only be five minutes or one minute, but we would try and have a little period of silence while we're eating. Um, it's much easier to do when you're on a retreat, when you have a larger group of people doing it. And of course, the kids chatter and giggle and drop things and make noise, but the intention is there and it's really powerful. So that's one of the most beautiful things that we've learned from this practice. And one more that I want to share, I mean, there's a lot of things, but one more that I definitely want to share is a practice called flower watering. And that is um, when you intentionally give someone um, feedback about the things that you enjoy about them. So it's not necessarily a compliment, but it's um, an acknowledgement in gratitude of something that you appreciate about them. And um, it's called flower watering. So if you imagine yourself as a flower and you don't have water, you're going to get really dry and withered and eventually fall over and die. And so flowers need water. And so human beings need that too. So it's a way of nurturing each other. And so that's a really fun practice to do with children. And you can you can have fun with it. You can put flowers on the table or you can actually do it outdoors and water your flowers and then, you know, exchange these um, gratitudes with each other. We've done that a lot. I love that. I, I have also done flower watering and man, did I cry. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I cried. Um, it's funny. because You mean when people were watering your flower? I did. So I went on retreat with just my daughter, who's now 10, when she was six, when Thich Nhat Hanh came on his last trip to the United States. And so the two of us camped out and we, that's the first time I ever learned flower watering and we did it. And I expressed my regrets. And at that time I was really struggling with my temper and I had so much regret about that. And it really, um, was a great teacher for me ultimately, but you know, it it was, it's hard to do to, to see that my, this energy in me was like hurting her. Um, so, and just appreciating her. So it was a lot of, there were a lot of tears for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful too, that she got to see that and to see you and your true feelings. And I'm sure there was a lot of forgiveness that happened in that moment as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we've all, yeah, certainly grown a lot from them. So, um, Leslie, it's funny cause I've taken you a little bit over time cause I just could hang out and talk with you <laughs> for so long about this. Uh, so where can people find out more about your writing and your work? Um, <clears throat> excuse me, dharmamamas.com is the blog that you were talking about earlier, which is a community for mindful mothers. It's very similar to what you're doing, the work you're doing in the world, but the context of Dharma Mamas is <clears throat> mostly for mothers. The contributors are mothers who are um, practitioners of a mindfulness practice, but anyone can read the articles and I'm sure get something out of them and enjoy them. And if you're interested in contributing, please take a, a peek at our submissions page. And my personal blog is heartlunge.com, heart and lunge, the yoga pose, so heart lunge. Um, And I'm also writing a book, so I'm excited to talk to you more about that in the future and share more about that um, as it develops but I'm in the early stages as well. It's very exciting. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to talk more about that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the, the podcast today, Leslie. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so great to talk to you, and I'm excited that you're going on a retreat next week, and um, I'll be living it vicariously through you. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is your extra story. <laughs> okay. So um, so recently, um, just a couple of weeks ago, we were out to breakfast with a big group of people, and um, I can't remember how it exactly happened, but 
my husband made a joke and then I said something and my kids were like, what? And they looked at me and I said, yeah, I used to be a yeller. And they were like, what? And I said, yeah, I used to yell at you guys a lot. I'm like, don't you remember? (laughs) And they both were kind of like looking at me. And um, my daughter, who's 13, she said, mom, that doesn't sound like you. And I was like, well, it was. (laughs) I used to yell a lot. And my son said, yeah, I kind of remember that. And then I looked at him and I said, you know, I used to yell a lot and I used to yell at both of you a lot because I was stressed out a lot as a mom and it was hard work parenting. And I looked him in the eyes and I said, you remember that? And he said, yeah, kind of. And I said, I'm really sorry. You know, and I just said, I'm really sorry that I yelled a lot. And I think I said something like, I was learning how to be a mom. And I know a lot more now about me being a mom, but I can't go back. And so I want you to know that, you know, I'm sorry. And he just had this sweet look on his face. He didn't say much, but it was like all these years later, you know, because when when they were young, I obviously, you know, like all moms, we have our moments and we can't keep it together. And there were a lot of stressors. And so it just felt really good all these years later to be able to still um, address that. You know, I think it is very important to, in the moment, I'm sure I apologized back then many times too, but even all these years later to be able to own up to that and to continue the healing. So it was a really important little moment. And um, I just wanted to share that because I feel like when our kids are young, we're so worried that we're messing things up. And if we, you know, break mm-hmm. down and, you know, rage on them or lose our temper, or whatever might happen, that we're ruining them for life, right? Like <laughs> totally. you said, you're really struggling with your anger. And it's very emotional and we feel so guilty. But I think that acknowledging it, if you can, when it happens or, you know, that day or the next day or, But also, you can talk about it after the fact, weeks, months, and years later. So (laughs) I, I just felt like a win. You know, that was a little Mm -hmm. proud mama moment where I was like, okay, we talked about this thing from the past and continued the healing. Oh, that is so cool. I, I really appreciate you sharing that story with me. That is, that's great. And I think that's, um, that's what a lot of us need to hear, you know, that this journey of healing needs to continue, you know, it's yes. just something that continues. It's, we're never going to get it absolutely perfect. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. an ongoing journey. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Leslie and I hope you are inspired to slow down and bring some mindfulness into your life as well. Um, I have ways to support you in, I have guided meditations. I have the free five simple things course all at hunterclarkfields.com. You can find the free resources page. And if you are ready to dive deeper, you can find the mindful parenting course as a self-study version under work with me. If you have any questions, certainly email me at hunter at hunterclarkfields.com. You can find the show notes at mindfulmamapodcast.com. And you can find the free audio guides just for podcast listeners at mindfulmomguide.com. And it's a great way to bring some of this really into your life. And um, anyway... Let me see. What else can I thank? I can thank you for being here, of course. Dear listener, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Coming up soon, we have some new guests coming up. I've had some lovely recommendations. Thank you. And also, I'm going to be doing a solo podcast about the best ways to stay calm when parenting challenging kids. So that is going to be coming up soon. Uh, Did I say leave a review? Please leave a review click and do that on your phone. It's so easy. And finally, thank you so much to Bill. Thank you, honey, for going to get the girls at camp while I record this and for the music. (laughs) So that's it, I guess, today, folks. Um, 
just from me to you, I'm just really wishing you more ease in your week. I, I'm wishing you that you make your self-care a priority, that you make your own peace a priority. And, and thus the ripple effects go wide. It's really your responsibility. Um, no one else's your own well-being and happiness. And it's important. You are important. So thanks so much for listening. Namaste. Are you a mom who wants to feel less stressed and enjoy motherhood more? Do you want to be calmer with your kids and be more present for all of your life? I'm a mom who has gone from really being stressed and yelling when my kids were young to having a more grounded, more at ease relationship with life and having more enjoyable, cooperative relationships with my kids. And I've shown hundreds and thousands of women around the world how to do this. And I want to show you how to do it too. So if you are currently feeling stuck or stagnant, this is definitely for you. I've created a free downloadable audible training, Mindfulness for Moms, the superpower you need. And it will show you how to respond rather than react, how to let go of stress and feel more grounded in seconds, how to have a smoother day today and become more present for your kids for a lifetime. To get on on this audio training absolutely free, simply visit the website www.mindfulmomguide.com. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 